Welcome to King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. It's nice to see you all here today. Welcome. We're a little uh, lopsided today over here, but... Yeah, kind of like this. Okay, so uh, welcome. Nice to see you all. I hope that you're well. Uh, It is winter, so it's appropriate to be cold, right? Um, Why don't we, uh, before we get into too many things... Uh, considering all that's occurred the last couple days, maybe we should pause and pray uh, for peace and for protection and for discernment and all those wonderful things that we want everyone to have in this time. So let's pray. Almighty God, gracious King, we come before you on this new day, mindful of the blessings that you pour upon us through Christ our Lord. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which draws us closer to you, and burns within us the the fire of faith. Uh, Lord, as we gather today, we pray for the world in which we live in. It seems uh, that the restlessness of a fallen world uh, is continuing to uh, rattle around. And so we pray, Lord, that uh, first and foremost, you'd bring peace to uh, this troubled world, uh, whether it's Uh, peace through the natural disasters that are taking place or peace uh, through those who wish war or harm on others. We pray, Lord, that uh, the peace that surpasses all understanding would would be uh, first and foremost uh, in and with and upon this world. We pray, Lord, for um, those who are affected by all that is occurring, that you would that you would protect and guide and equip. We especially pray uh, today, Lord, for uh, those who are in Australia and those who are in Puerto Rico uh, and, of course, other places in the world that that we may be your hands and your hearts amidst their challenges and difficulties in this time, that we would be good stewards of the earth and uh, provide for the well-being of our sisters and brothers. We pray, Lord, for... Uh, the situation in the Middle East. We pray uh, that cooler heads would prevail, that uh, you'd give wisdom and discernment to both leaders of both countries, that you would protect the men and women of our armed forces, uh, keep them in your care, protect them and guide them. Uh, We pray, Lord, that your hand would be upon this and that you would bring uh, a peace upon the earth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, no no better way then to have a fresh start, right? So <laughs> uh, our theme for the next uh, few weeks will be this, fresh start on Sundays and on Mondays. We, uh, we sent this card to all the households within a three-mile radius of the church, which is about rounding up, it's about 17,000 homes. Uh, so uh, we have some extra and uh, therefore, uh, it would not be w- wisdom if you live within a three-mile radius of this church 
to take this card and give it to your neighbor because they've gotten it. Uh, however, if you live beyond the three-mile radius, uh, feel free to take some, hand them out. Put, you know what I do? I, when I drive through my neighborhood, boop, put them in the mailboxes. Boop, boop, I look like the mailman. So um, you're welcome to them. They'll be up here uh, as well. Uh, this past week, we focused on being a little more wiser. And uh, this Sunday, we will focus on being a little more optimistic. Good timing for that, right? So, uh, And then our Wednesday studies will be based on the Sunday. So uh, today, we're going to talk about wisdom. Uh, and uh, we want to see an approach to wisdom through the eyes of Saul, who eventually becomes Paul, right? For those of you who uh, join us online on Wednesday mornings, this Fresh Start session, Bible class, the next four four or five weeks, uh, is the last morning sessions we will live stream. We'll continue to live stream our Sunday morning sessions. We'll continue to live stream our Wednesday evening sessions. But the Wednesday morning sessions, we will eventually, at the end of this month, fade away. But you are welcome to come here. Or if you're online, you're welcome to go to Facebook. They archive our studies. And you can watch them anytime you want. So I uh, just had a conversation yesterday with a preschool dad who was sharing with me uh, some things in his life. And I said, uh, I'd like you to go to King of Glory's Facebook page and watch the 930 service from Sunday. And after you watch it, let's get together. Because what he was talking about was what I was talking about on Sundays. So it was, I'm hoping that he'll call me back. But it's one of the nice benefits of live streaming through Facebook is that they're, they're still there right, as we go along. So for those of you online, just be mindful that we will continue uh, as we we have. Uh, We'll have the 615 Bible study, and then we will have 9 p.m. Facebook Live. Uh, So we hope to see you in any number of those as well. Uh, Don't forget this last announcement. um, Sunday, January 26th will be Tara and Todd's last Sunday here at King of Glory. And we have... um, a luncheon after the 11 o'clock service for that. And you'll be getting a letter with some other opportunities. (laughs) Or talk to Karin before you go, all right? Uh, So let's get into it. Fresh start, a little more wiser, Saul or Paul. So the first thing is, um, as we think about wisdom, uh, by the way, uh, there's lots of wisdom scriptures. If you were at Bible study on Sunday, Tara shared a lot of that with you. Um, the goal on Wednesdays is uh, connected more to the formula of gaining these gifts, right? So we thought it would be interesting to look at Saul, who becomes Paul. Um, you tell me, what do you, Larry, get ready. What do you know about Paul? D. Snow over there. Wait for the microphone. Yeah. Notorious persecutor of early Christians. Yeah. Before he was a great guy, he was kind of a jerk, right? (laughs) I mean, uh, notorious persecutor of the church. Well said. Karin. Famous letter. Yeah. Who then becomes one of the most famous 
not only letter writers, but authors of the New Testament, right? right. And missionary of the gospel, right? Absolutely. Right? You don't think that my congregational letters are as powerful as uh, Paul's? They're more better. Thank you. Thank you very much. They're more better. <laughs> right here, Carol. Saul was too very educated. Yes. Yeah. He knew his stuff. Uh, and um, maybe to his detriment, we'll talk about today <laughs> on some level. But yeah, he was, uh, Barry, up here, please. Uh, he, was, he was no dummy. That's for sure. Yeah, he was bivocational, right? He, uh, he was a tent maker and um, did that for his means as well as well, my guess is some of the support of the church. Gail and I always like to play a game. What would Bill Harmon do if he wasn't a pastor? Right? It's very limited, just so you know. I think at the top is Walmart greeter. I think I'd be I think I'd be very good at that. Right? Yeah. Well thank you, a teacher. Yeah. My family doesn't tend to go into nice areas. They they tend to make the well, we did decide that I could be a funeral home director. I'd be good at that. Yeah, I've got experience. <laughs> right? Uh, right. Was there another? Bless you. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Sharon. I think as Paul became wiser, he became especially thinking of Timothy. Okay. Yeah. So he not, this is post-conversion. Um, he realized the value of mentoring others, right? So in his missionary endeavors, uh, he couldn't, he couldn't remain in every place to pastor those churches. So he had to create a means for uh, the gospel to continue. Larry, up here, please. Elizabeth. Uh, so yeah, was a great mentor. Hmm. Courageous, tenacious, and disciplined. Okay. <laughs> Good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sometimes he wanted to go places that God didn't want him to go, right? Yeah, Pastor. He, he ultimately transferred not just himself, but his way of playing by the audience. He had a great gift for understanding his audience, right? And I always thought, I've always thought it was ironic that God would have Paul, this great Jewish theologian, primarily be a missionary to Gentiles. And Peter, sort of this not-so-great theologian, I mean, in, in terms of society and culture, really be a missionary or an evangelist to the Jews. It was, oh, God just does so craziest things sometimes, right? It's amazing. All right, well, what we first want to do, good, these were all good, good Good comments on Saul and Paul. 
Now let's see what, uh, let's focus a little bit on who Paul was prior to his conversion. Okay? So uh, first we look at Acts 8. And um, why don't we read that together? On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Now think about this for a moment. Um, here, the great letter writer, the great mentor, right? This, te- this tenacious guy used some of those gifts uh, to harm the church. Uh, so much so, I mean, if you think of this visually, right? He's going from house to house, dragging the Christians out and imprisoning them. I watch the most fascinating uh, show. I reward myself. I do a little bit of schoolwork, and then I do a little bit of watching. And there was a great, interesting show on YouTube on uh, Judaism. I forget the name of it right now. But it was following this Jewish community in Manchester, England. And one of the people they were following was a Holocaust survivor. And uh, to hear his story is really fascinating. The short of it is he was 15 years old. His family knew that the Nazis were coming. His father said to him, uh, you're a man now. You can either go with us or you can go on your own. And he chose to go on his own. He went into hiding. Uh, That next day, his whole family was killed. And because he went into hiding, he survived. It was a horrible survival, just so you know. He, He was caught because he was young. He was sent to a work camp. Um, then eventually he was liberated by the Russians. And there's a newsreel, actually. Uh, I guess England took 500 Jewish refugee children and brought them to England. And there's a newsreel, and he's on it, going on the plane. It's kind of fun to watch. And he eventually made it there. But some similar, think about it for a moment, right? The, The fear of someone coming to your door and dragging you away because of your faith. This is what's happened, right? I'm trying to de-Sunday schoolize this for you. This is horrific. Let's read this, Acts 7. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. I, I mixed them up. I'm sorry. This was first. So, uh, this is the famous uh, Stephen story, the martyrdom of Stephen. And uh, they lay their coats before Saul, who passively stands by, allowing it to happen. And in essence, some would make the case, encouraging it. Right? Excuse me. Philippians 3. Now, this is Paul. This is Paul himself. Let's read it. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, 
in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to come back to this, just so you know, at the end. But um, this is classic Paul, right? Um, so these are Paul's own words giving you an indication of who he is. He's admitting. Uh, he's admitting to the, the, the Philippians um, exactly the way he looked at himself, dare I say, prior to his conversion. So, so add to this, just this part, because we're going to come back and see that he cleans it up a little bit later, but just this part, add just a touch of arrogance as you read it, right? I'm going to read it to you again. Uh, and he's not trying to be arrogant here. He's, he's actually got an important lesson for the Philippians that we'll, we'll see. But imagine before conversion. My guess is he said these very things, right? Uh, why am I here? What authority do I have to come to your house? What righteous indignation do I have to, to drag you out of your home and to throw you in jail? How dare you question me? Uh, I, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Uh, I'm of the people of Israel. I'm the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I know the law. I'm a Pharisee. I'm a, I'm a defender of the church, he might say, instead of persecutor after conversion. A, a Pharisee, um, I know the law, and the law is faultless. So this is the ground that he's standing on as Saul. One more. Let's read it together. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. Paul makes, Paul makes no excuses necessarily for who he was. As a witness, he, he uses it to show uh, the surpassing power of Jesus Christ in his life. But before you add that on, what, what you see is that uh, this was a guy who you might make a case uh, was, was blinded, pun intended, <laughs> was blinded by what he knew and how he knew it. So some challenges perhaps for Saul. He knew what he knew. And there was no changing what he knew. He seemed unwilling to listen. Think about it for a moment. Uh, Christianity has uh, caught on in that first century. Jesus Christ has come. Jesus Christ has died. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Excuse me. The very Christians that they were convinced would be dispersed and that would be gone after Christ died still continue. And he doesn't seem willing to listen to anything they want to say. His righteousness perhaps seemed greater than God's. By his standard, for sure, right? I'm a Pharisee. I know the law. I, uh, by the way, the law that I know is faultless. Now, I do want to give, if Linda Winterhoff was here, she would help give an, 
she would defend, this is Linda's job, she defends the underdog, right? So um, let's give him some credit, right? This is what he knew. This is the way he was taught. Um, it's, it's not easy when you've been told one thing the, your whole life than to be told something different, right? So we'll give him some room there. Part of the challenge of Paul, which he admits in his writings, is that he was sort of puffed up by this. And ultimately, his determination for God hindered him from seeing God. So he couldn't see God when he was dragging those people out. He couldn't, he couldn't see God when S- Stephen is being killed. He, he was so focused on who he was and what he was doing, um, and he thought he was so right that uh, he was challenged to go beyond that. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, it's, um, it's a challenge, I believe, that we'll have even today. I think it's come around. Um, uh, Tara just sent me a, a article from Leonard Sweet, who's a well-respected evangelical Christian theologian. Um, in the 1950s, I, I, I could read it on my phone. I don't have it. It's something like this. In the 1950s, um, more than 60% of society, um, consider themselves part of a denominational Christian religion, right? Today, uh, that same number, or maybe it's like, maybe it's a little less, uh, says they're nothing, right? However, here's where I'm going to connect to what you said, D. However, what we're finding is a great attraction to what the church does, right? So, uh, people want to be, be part of a church that does help the poor and feed the hungry and those kind of things. And by the way, we should be doing that. However, we do not want that to blind us from the mercies of God and from our status, sinner to saint, those kind of things, right? There's got to be a, we, we can't just feed the poor and not proclaim the gospel, right? That's what I'm saying. We'll do both. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but Paul is so busy, maybe say it this way, he's so busy being religious (laughs) that he's forgot his religion on some level. Um, Now, you know, you all know me. Let's not just bring this on Paul. Let's think of ourselves. In our quest for a fresh start and for a little more wisdom, should we consider the same challenge as Paul? So are we sometimes in our Christianity, in our spiritual life particularly, so I'm not, I think this could be anything, by the way. It could, it could be our politics. It could be our food choices. It could be our sports team choices, although there is a right path for that and a wrong path for that, right? Um, are we stuck in what we know? What is that? What is that a terrible thing? <laughs> Are we stuck in what we know, right? I know what I know, and there's nothing more to it. Um, are, are we unwilling to at least listen a little bit? We may not. We can listen to understand and still maybe not agree. 
right? But we can listen. Um, uh, <laughs> my dad's kind of going through this a little bit, right? My dad has my dad has been using this flip phone. <laughs> uh, some of you still may too. Uh, but he's texting. If you're texting on a flip phone, it takes a long time. So, uh, so he's trying to text my our, his grandchildren more. My, my mother did that, right? So he wants to continue that. So do 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 yeah, do do do. I wonder if he's watching today. Do 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 do. Uh, so we said, look, this was mom's iPhone, and you can text quicker on it. <sighs> you know, uh, <laughs> it's it's taking some time, but to his credit, he's doing it. He's doing it, right? He's doing it. So that's a that's a fun way of saying you know what you know. And I don't know if I want to try this or not, right? Uh, we're listening. Do we get stuck in our own righteousness? Of course we do. I do. Um, and by the way, that's the very things we celebrate can sometimes get in our way. And that's why I always want to say, I'm not suggesting that what we do is necessarily wrong. But sometimes what we do, if it becomes our God, right, if it becomes our path to righteousness, that's where it can kind of mess us up a little bit. Uh, or in our determination. This is a little bit what Dee was saying, right? We're going to feed we're going to be a people that feeds everybody. Well, that's good. We can be determined in doing that, but we can't discount God working in that, right? Um, or let's be a little more harsh on ourselves, right? Um, you, you, if we're determined that we will purify the church. Okay, there's on one level, Christian purity is good, but on the other level, that takes conversation. That takes study. That ta- right? Who who's the purifier? <laughs> I think it's the, it's the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, this is where it can get a little messy for us. So I I would suggest to you that as we seek a fresh start in a new year, as we seek to be a little more wiser, which created much more controversy than I ever thought. Um, we might want to look at ourselves if we really wanted to and say, okay, um, and let's, for purposes of today, let's narrow it down just to our spirituality. Okay? That's it. Not iPhones or flip phones. Um, am I stuck in what I know? And am, have I been unwilling to let the Lord and his spirit expand my knowledge of who he is and how he's working in my life? Maybe yes, maybe no. Am I listening to the spirit of God working in my life? Am I, am I intentionally reading his word and letting that word, that's our theology. God speaks to us through his word. Am I allowing that word to penetrate my heart and mind and soul, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's not convenient? Am I allowing the sacraments that God has blessed me with to be um, working as they should? Or has it become routine? Has it become stale? Has it become... Uh, you know, those kinds of things. Righteousness. Have I convinced myself that the only way to be righteous before God is the way that I do it? Now, I could say, no, (laughs) I can say yes to that. No, I can't, right? But we get kind of caught up in that sometimes. Uh, Or is my determination for whatever it is, uh, uh, is my determination to, to pray that these people will change my determination to pray that that I will be healed, whatever it is, I'm so, I become so determined in that that I'm no longer seeing. Remember Paul's challenge: I'm no longer seeing God in it. 
So, as we seek wisdom, let's see how Paul is brought to a wiser place in his life. So that we, in turn, can discover that too. So turn to Acts 9. This is it's hard to see in here, but this is a painting of the conversion of Paul. So you see Jesus up there. Looks like the Holy Spirit coming down. Uh, and I think this is Paul right here. Okay, uh, Acts 9, and we're going to start, believe it or not, the conversion of Paul is pretty short. Uh, so if somebody can read Acts 9, verses 1 through 9, that would be great. But Saul, still breathing threats and murmur, and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that he found so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him <laughs> into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. All right. What was interesting to you? Yeah, he followed the rules, right? <laughs> yeah, he followed the rules, and he had backup. When Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? <laughs> yeah, right? Interesting, right? Yeah, uh, some versions have, who are you, sir? <laughs> they're, they're not good versions, right? Who are you, sir? <laughs> no, it's who are you, Lord? And is it, here the question is, is it Lord? Is it, who are you, Lord? But it's an acknowledgement of something greater than him, right? Well, this is where we see it, right? And um, Elizabeth, there too. They, uh, I think there used to be. There was a Bible called the Way. Remember that? Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back to it. So the extent that it takes to shift Paul out of Saul out of his Saulness, right? Um, we're gonna come to that too. I, I guess one thing for me that. It just frankly dawned on me while Mike was reading it, because even yesterday, uh, Pastor Keener was here, and we were talking about this study today, the route, the direction I was going, and I said to him that sometimes one of the points that I want to make is that perhaps wisdom comes once we're blinded from the life that we've been living, right? But, but in hearing it today, I, I think. Perhaps sometimes we put too much emphasis on Paul being blinded and not enough emphasis on the light, especially in light, in light of Christmas, right? So we just had this whole celebration that light comes into the darkness, that the darkness cannot overcome it. Paul is living in darkness, and it is the light that shines upon him. It blinds him, and there, there's certainly something to the blinded three days those kinds of things. 
But it starts with the light being showered upon him. And so not to end, you know, too early, don't worry, we're not, but perhaps wisdom comes in praying that the light of Christ shines upon us, even to the point, if necessary, to blind us. So that ultimately we can see his will in our lives, right? Because you can make a case, you're our, Paul was already blinded by the life he was living. So we'll, we'll come to that. Way over and then come back. And then back. Ba, ba, ba. We'll do a little. Yeah, you, you'd like to know what their response to everything was because they could, they could uh, see everything, right? But they weren't a part of everything. And um, the people that Paul is, is traveling with are probably soldiers that he wasn't interacting very much with anyway. So, there, yeah, you could make a case that even up to his conversion, he is... Arrogant could be the word. Uh, another one, you could go the other way and say that he is um, has righteous indignation, right? <laughs> Same thing, <laughs> right? And uh, up until the moment of conversion, he remained true to who he thought he should be. Yeah. I think, Bob, did you have your hand up? Bob Burns, did you have your hand up? No. Okay. All right, let's look at this a little bit. So go back to Acts 9, verse 1. Um, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters of the synagogues of Damascus uh, so that he could go after the people of the way, right? I went too far, okay? So he goes to the high priest, as we heard. Interesting. You want to know something about Saul? He's not content with just driving Christians out of Jerusalem. He could have been fine with that. He wants to go to Damascus and get them as well. In his mind, they are enemies of God. And so he must deal with them. So he goes and asks for these letters um, uh, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So why the way? Some say they like that because this was now their way of life. Or through Jesus, it is the way of salvation. Um, whatever the case, this was the name they were, they were using at the time. I thought also, interestingly, I found this, I started writing it all out. And I said, I'll just copy and read it to you. Um, just from one of the texts that I was reading and preparing for today. When the Jewish state won its independence under the Hasmonean dynasty of ruling priests in 142 B.C., the Romans um, required neighboring states to grant it the privilege of a sovereign state, including the right of extradition. A letter delivered at the time by a Roman ambassador uh, it concludes with a demand, if any pestilent men have fled to you from their own country, Judea, hand them over to Simon the high priest so that he may punish them according to the law. This is in 1 Maccabees 15.21. In 47 B.C., Julius Caesar confirmed those rights and privileges anew to the Jewish nation, although Judea was no longer a sovereign state, and more particularly to the high priesthood. Luke's narrative implies that the right of extradition continued to be employed by the high priest under the... Pro Provincial administration set up in A.D. 6. 
the followers of the way whom Saul was authorized to bring back from Damascus were refugees from Jerusalem, not native to Damascus. The charge against them had, uh, may have been complicity to Stephen's offense against the temple, and therefore Paul was able to bring them back. So there was a legal opportunity for him to do this that had been settled well before this event. Yeah, yeah, it would, uh, it would take about a week to get there. Um, and interesting, think, of, think about the journey, right? Think, you're now Saul. You know all these characteristics of Saul. He's walking now to Damascus. Let's say it takes a week, give or take. Uh, the only people that we believe are with him are these soldiers to help him fulfill his task. Law would prevent him from having very much interaction with him. So he has a whole week to be thinking about how he's gonna, what he's going to do and how's he, how he's going to do it, right? And, I, and interestingly, never once in that week does he say, hmm, maybe they're right. <laughs> you know, we don't get that impression at all, uh, John. Rather, it's up until the very end he's going to hang in there. Yeah, John. I like to think about it that the whole time he's praying to God, help me, show me, help me, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And God answers him, just not what he was right. expecting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, good point. Uh, perhaps he's praying and God says, okay, <laughs> here we go. So let's, let's connect this to wisdom, right? So wisdom would be, uh, perhaps God is giving you answers in your life that are not the answers you desire, but are good for you because God deems them good for you. Or to sermonize this a little more, uh, maybe you're, maybe you're praying the wrong prayer. Um, I'm sure I shared this with you. Gail had a friend who called her for some Christian advice and she, the friend kept said these words are, you know, I, I have been praying and praying and praying and then I do things that I think God is telling me to do, but it doesn't work out. So Gail finally said, have you ever thought you're praying the wrong thing? Click. No, no, no. <laughs> no, they didn't hang up. They didn't hang up. So, all right. Uh, let's keep going. Uh, verses three and following. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, oh, I can't wait to read that to you. And he said, whom are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are, who you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to do there. So let's stop there for a minute. So imagine Paul's resolve as he goes into to Damascus, armed with the, the commission from the high priest and the guards, right? And he gets right out there, and boom. Jesus himself appears to Saul. And he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Here's what Augustine, St. Augustine says about this. It's fascinating. Ready? It was the head of heaven crying out on behalf of the members that were still on earth. Really beautiful imagery, right? So Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The body of Christ. And the head of the body is, is making this pronouncement on behalf of the members of the body 
still on earth. That Augustine, he's a pretty good guy, let me just say. Um, Interesting. Once again, Jesus does what Jesus always do, does. A little more wiser, right? Okay. Um, Here again, it's Jesus. Paul is not seeking Jesus. Jesus seeks out Paul. He is the one who goes to the sinner. Um, and And by the way, all of his disciples ran. He then meets them later, right? They don't seek him. He seeks them. Uh, the one who denied him three times uh, does not seek resolution with Christ, but Christ comes to him and resolves, do you love me? Feed my sheep, right? And now the one who persecutes is sought after by God, and he converts him. Uh, You have to think that any other God of any other faith would destroy all these people. If you want the the richness of Christianity and the uniqueness of Christianity, it's this this powerful, transformational mercy of God. Uh, And the same can be said for us when we gather, you know, for worship, that um, Christ doesn't have to come to us in bread and wine. He desires to. He chooses to. It's a powerful gift that he brings to us, right? So consider the uh, now consider the conversion. Um, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Rise and go into the city and do what I tell you. Uh, verse seven: The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. That's weird, right? <laughs> uh, you might you might be interested in what they had to say later, right? Saul rose from the ground, and all his eyes were open. He saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and either ate or drank. Now think about this for a moment. What's a conversion? It's not mere words. So this event is a conversion of his will. It's a conversion of his intellect. It's a conversion of his emotion. This is why we read those passages beforehand. So you could see the depth of where Paul was. The light shines in that and changes it. Turn to 2 Corinthians 4. If you don't want to turn to it, I'm going to read it to you. But 2 Corinthians 4, 4 to 6. I'm sorry, yeah, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 to 6. I wrote 1 Corinthians in my paper, but it is 2 Corinthians. The God of this age, right? Is that how it goes? The God of this age was has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. How could 
Paul not be thinking about Damascus when he wrote that? No, how he couldn't. So, uh, Paul seeing Christ in person is, is stated later, verse 17 and verse 27, but we also see him speaking about it in 1 Corinthians um, 15, 5 to 8. And then he appeared to Cephas and then the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. (laughs) Good old Paul. For as arrogant as Paul was, some would argue still was after the conversion, uh, he has a humility uh, in understanding who, who he was and how God transformed that. So, uh, Paul's then blinded, goes into Damascus. Uh, Don't you see the irony here? The very people he's going to persecute, the very people he has persecuted, don't forget, they're running from him, are now the very people who will care for him. Oh, being Christian's hard, isn't it? (laughs) So Ananias is told, guess what you get to do? (laughs) You get to go meet Paul. Uh, Good old Ananias, he is not a Jonah, right? He's like, he doesn't want to do it, but he goes and he does it. And uh, there's a great line here. He who had intended to enter Damascus like an avenging fury was led by the hand, blind and helpless. Um. And by the way, you could have a whole study on Ananias and wisdom and doing what God tells you to do, right? So let me ask you, we're gonna, I'm going to show you one of the passages today, but you tell me, where do you see the, the, uh, where do you see the picture of getting a little more wiser through this event? Yeah. So, so you can find wisdom in um, reviewing your faith stories and your faith experiences and how do you utilize them to the glory of God. Yeah, absolutely. So, so wisdom would be found, and again, if we're, if we're going to keep this narrow to our spiritual journeys, um, it, took, it took a supernatural event for Paul to realize he had to listen <laughs> uh, and hear right? Wisdom would say to us, as we look at Paul's experience, what am I doing in my life to be able to listen to God, right? And by the way, there, some of those things are built in, right? You can listen to God and worship. You can listen to God through scripture, but six days a week, are you finding opportunity to say, let me be still for a moment uh, and really listen? Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah. So four, so four wisdoms so far, right? One is, Lord, help me take my life experience and use it to your glory. Lord, uh, I love Psalm 46. Help me to be still and know that you're God. Uh, Lord, um, I want to know you. 
give me every opportunity. I think I know you, but I want to know you, right? That's a good prayer. And the, the other one I'd say is, Lord, daily shine your light on me, even if it means blinding me, right? Those are all sort of, I think, nice paths to be a little more wiser. <laughs> yes, I hear you say that, Greg, and I, I think about uh, the goals that we've set for the congregation, right, to have um, – think of – Think of all the things that, and I think they're all worthy things. So please don't hear me saying we shouldn't be doing these things. Uh, we want to build a multi-million dollar expansion to this church because we believe, I believe, that it will set us for further growth uh, down the road. The peninsula is the fastest growing peninsula in Virginia. The James City County is the fastest growing county in uh, on the peninsula. If you haven't driven around lately, drive around. There are homes and apart. There, there's building everywhere. Uh, one, two, eight hundred people in worship within four years. Eighty percent of the congregation connected to community engagement in the next four years, and no more than ten percent of our church unchurched, which means we would find them churches. Right? Those are really good goals. They're really hard goals. Right? Um, in that, in that goal setting, what we better make sure we're doing as we're doing it is uh, listening, right? It's, um, I'm envisioning as you're talking, you know, Paul sort of going into Damascus. <laughs> you know, you ever walk in a room with great resolve only to find out that you're wrong when you get into that room, right? And you've got to somehow change your, like, whoa, hey, how y'all doing, <laughs> right? So we want to move forward with determination and with intentionality all the while being open to being led, um, being uh, quiet, <laughs> and uh, falling to the mercy of God, right? And that should be the same for our lives, too. And Paul, Paul said this. So, all right, Philippians 3, we don't have time, so go all the way down. So this was, this was part of the, uh, if anyone had any reason to boast, it's me. This is further down in the chapter. Uh, verse... You know I'm going to get destination because it matters in here. So here it goes. Uh, Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which is Christ Jesus. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Damascus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind Strain toward what is ahead. I press on with the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You want to know the power of his conversion? There it is. God has taken hold of me, and I will press on to that destination that matters all the while trusting in God as I do it. And I would suggest to you that that is wisdom as well. That's wisdom for this congregation. It's wisdom for you as disciples of Christ. That we have a heavenly call. We have a heavenly prize that's been given to us in Christ our Lord. Paul's conversion was so strong that it changed him in every aspect of his life so that he could not cling to what was behind him, but always press on toward that heavenly call. And we should be doing the same for sure. 
Okay, I've kept you late. No, actually, that clock is fast. It's 11 o'clock right here. Um, lastly, I would say this. Maybe, maybe in your life the prayer needs to be, uh, let your light shine in me. But also, maybe your prayer life has to be for those who do not see the light. Um, if, if God can transform a self-righteous, uh, highly educated, <laughs> academic, uh, law-abiding man like Paul, that he probably can transform anyone else's life that you know. And maybe the prayer for them has to be, let that same light penetrate through them and blind them. You know, you know what I mean? So that they can see Christ. Prayer requests. Gil's having surgery on Friday. Lucky Gil. <laughs> what better use of your Friday, right? <laughs> Let's pray. Almighty God, gracious King, we pray that you would help us to be wise unto salvation through Christ our Lord. And so let your light shine upon us and within us. Uh, Lord, we, we want to know you, so help us to know you more. We, we want to listen, so help us to be quiet, <laughs> to listen to you. And help us to use our experience to your glory and praise. Lord, uh, we pray uh, for this congregation as we seek these, these admirable goals, Lord, that as we do them, your name would be glorified and we would listen and be guided by your truth along the way. Uh, we, Lord, we pray for those in our prayer guide, that you'd bless them and keep them in your care. We pray uh, for Gil as he has surgery this week, that it be successful. We pray for Catherine Highland and Elaine, that your uh, healing hand would continue to be upon them. For Todd, as he interviews, Lord, and the new opportunities for him and Tara, uh, that you would open doors of opportunity for him. Uh, we pray, Lord, for uh, those in need, especially uh, those we've began praying for today. And finally, Lord, we pray for those who do not know you, uh, that they may know the power of your love this day. All these things we ask in the name of Jesus, our Savior and King. Amen. Thanks, everyone. If you didn't sign in, please do. Uh, and uh, we'll see you. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and His people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.